Welcome to episode 109 of Ready Press Play, recorded on February 10th, 2022. We're your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Today we'll be talking about the latest Nintendo Direct and our favorite games from last year. Stay tuned! What's up, players? This is your host, Dan Lima, and I've had this new catchy tune stuck in my head for a while now. What a great intro. I'm joined, as always, <laughs> by my co-host, Mr. Lewis. You know what? I should refer to you as uh, as your new name, apparently, Mr. Chakalaka. I think. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I think yeah. it's funny that whenever you're on a level one gaming podcast, you're introduced as Chakalaka instead of That's your true. actual name. Was that ever like a, th a thing you guys agreed on? No, no. We just no? refer right. to each other by our tags, uh, like... Like Barry J six seven fame and uh -huh. hugger, you know. Interesting. That's not Dallas. Interesting. That's not everyone's real names. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but anyways, I was gonna say, you know, Dan. <laughs> I almost. Uh, threw, I was trying to throw you off there. You know, I almost uh, did it. You know, Dan. Ready Press Play three will not have a Valentine's Day special. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 3.0 and two that. That's what separates three from the other two. Yeah. No Valentine's yes, yes, Day special. I mean, you know, we've done it twice. <laughs> yeah, that's know, true. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think at this point we should wait till you know you have a girlfriend to do it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, well, it's gonna just gonna to, <laughs> you have to wait for a while. That's gonna take a while, but yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just gonna start getting repetitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, I just thought that was funny. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to do the show. It's uh, it seems like a very chill show to do. Yeah, let's see what we have coming. And not only Valentine's Day, but also the Super Bowl. Are you? Oh uh, yes, yeah. Are you looking forward true. to that, Louis? Yeah, we always do a big party uh, mm -hmm. for the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm assuming that everyone's going to come crash my house uh, for the Super Bowl this year. So I'll be happy with that. So you know, I have literally never watched a Super Bowl. Um, like Damn. it's just not football. American football is just not something I've ever cared about. Uh, over the last year, I cared about it just a tiny bit more than I did before, and that's because I joined my work's uh, Fantasy Football League, just because I thought it'd be funny to just kind of see mm. what it was like. Uh, but still, even even though I did that, and I was surprisingly not the last place, I was like second to last place, <laughs> which Damn. I take with pride, because I was like the only person in it that does not watch football at all. Everybody else were like football heads. And... Um, but anyway, I was going to say, I've, I'm debating on, like, you know, actually finding a place to go to and sit down and actually watch the Super Bowl for the first time ever, you know, have that true American experience. But at the same time, that just sounds like such a bad idea when I'm in L.A. and the L.A. Rams are in the Super Bowl. Ooh. Every bar around me is probably going to be packed full. Um, and I'm not sure if that's a great idea right now with the you know, Omicron on the rise and everything else. Yeah, I wonder how big, how packed Texas Live is going to be now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we were there on a random weekday and it was kind of packed. Like, imagine yes. how much more it's going to be, like, uh, whenever, like, it's Super Bowl time or whatever. But, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's like a two-for-one special because you got the Super Bowl on Sunday and then Valentine's Day on Monday. So, like, the restaurants are going to be packed both days yes. of the week right there. <laughs> yes. For uh, Valentine's Day this year, uh, Lee and I decided we don't want to go out. So what we're going to do is uh, we bought a fondue set online. 
um and then like all the different ingredients and stuff and we're gonna be doing like a a a night out at home uh making fondue at home and stuff and we giving each other our gifts and etc so looking forward to that well Uh, nice yeah yeah bit of a little bit of a different thing um but yeah you know we meet every friday morning to discuss the top news of the week notable releases on all platforms while we're playing big topics of the industry and the games we love Sometimes Valentine's Day, sometimes the Super Bowl, sometimes other things. Now, let's get started with our actual topics of discussion. All right, Lewis. So this is a fun week because this week we got a new Nintendo Direct. That doesn't happen that often. And it was was one that was announced on what, like Tuesday and then dropped on a Wednesday or something like that? Exactly. Just kind of came out of nowhere, right? People uh, were uh, predicting it, though. Like, people were thinking that there's going to be a February Direct because usually see, J- Nintendo does, like, a J- January Direct or, like, a February Direct. I don't want... I don't even want to give anybody any credit, all right? Like, <laughs> I am not... I'm not giving anybody credit for predicting a Nintendo Direct, like, ever again because I feel like there's accounts out there that will literally just constantly predict, hey, a Nintendo Direct is going to happen, you know, this week or this month or soon or whatever. And they just keep doing it. And it's like one of 20 times, they'll be right. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, <laughs> I like, told you. Don't you agree? There's, I feel like there's a, there's a thing with directs online. That... Uh, my YouTube my YouTube feed is constantly filled with Nintendo Direct speculation. So yeah, oh, no. I I'll sort of get to agree with you on that one. Um, anyway, I before we get into the actual announcements, just, uh, you know, TLDR, what did you think of this direct? Were you impressed? Yes, I was. It was the best Nintendo Direct in a long time. Maybe, I don't know if ever, because I would have to, like, literally have to, like, look at the other directs, but, like, this kind of hits me, like, in the in the feels, and I'm like, damn, it's like, yes. they were just going balls to the walls with announcements and stuff like that. This is what I want. This is exactly how every Nintendo Direct should be, and I think that this is, like, the, the new gold standard. This is where the bar needs to be at for directs. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I and I think that it was a pretty solid direct. There was one announcement in particular that I was like, hell yeah, about which we're going to get into it because I'm sure you felt the same way about uh, everything else. I was like, okay, oh, some of this is cool. Some of this doesn't really speak to me. Some of it does. But I have to say, man, I just find it so funny how um, like how black and white people get when Nintendo directs, because I honestly feel like if you look at it, you know, uh, announcement per announcement, you take that last direct that everybody hated on, and this one, and this one is just slightly better, and then suddenly that one was garbage, this one is perfect. And it's like, I feel like people are just <laughs> like, people can't see it as like a seven and an eight. It's like, it's either a zero or a ten. Um, that's how I that's how I feel about it, at least. Um, um, well, but we'll I, get, uh, I gotta go say something. There is one thing that did piss me off, is I like the announcement of Mario Strikers, but what pissed me off is that I didn't predict Mario Strikers this year during our prediction <laughs> special. I but know, I did last right? year. I did yes, last year, yes. but like I predicted it a year too early. I should have uh, re- re-upped my fucking prediction, damn it. <laughs> uh, let's let's recap the, uh, the announcements here. There's a recap from IGN. Uh, I'm not going to read the full article. I'm just kind of going to go through the announcements and maybe we can we can talk about them as we go through it. Uh, so this was the closer for the show. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh, was announced for September 2022. Now, 
This does nothing for me. I think the Xenoblade Chronicles games look cool. I own one on the 3DS. I think I own another one on the Wii U. Uh, it's one of those, like, they're, like, deep, deep, deep down into the backlog as games that I would love to play it eventually, but, you know, behind, below so many other things that I don't even think I'll actually <laughs> ever get to it. But, you know, for the fans, you know, awesome. You're getting a new Xenoblade Chronicles game. I know that the fans of this franchise, they really love it. They really will swear by it, so. They really um, do swear by two, of spe uh, specifically. Yeah. Yes, yes, you know, people will say it's like one of the best JRPGs of all time. So good. Um, so, you know, there it is. You're getting another one. How did you uh, feel about this? And specifically in the context of it being the closer of the show? Um, I'm a little surprised that they wanted that to be the closer of the show. It doesn't seem like it's it's too niche, I would say. Yes. Um, but at least, you know, they're they're basically saying within the announcement that they're going to connect one and two together since one and two were so separate. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, it's... Um, it doesn't really like do anything for me, but I'm happy for anyone who's happy. Which, by the way, very interesting choices for starting and ending the direct because they had some pretty cool stuff that appealed to me, like somewhere in the middle there. But they started with three houses, like Fire Emblem Three Houses content for Fire Emblem Warriors, or maybe that's a new game. I couldn't quite tell if it's like DLC it was a new or game. new game. Um, but you know, it's Fire Emblem Warriors, which I don't think most people are that in love with. So I felt like that was a weird <laughs> choice. Um, and then ending it with, you know, Xenoblade, which is a niche game, like you said. Um, it, it, it's like they open and they ended with the niche games and the more mainstream stuff was towards the middle. So I thought that was a little, <laughs> I thought that was a little odd. Um, now moving on to this next announcement here. This is the one that I'm the most interested to hear your take on, Lewis. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting 48 new tracks with Bay DLC through 2023 uh so they're adding basically it's like remasters of a lot of the older uh tracks from older mario kart games uh they're all getting added in this huge package that costs 25 dollars. they're going to be released i think like you know it, one or two grand prix at a time or something uh or two grand prix at a time over six waves uh from now until the end of 2023 um so you know a game that is now i believe Five eight years, years old or well oh. Mario Kart 8 is like eight years yeah. old because it started on the Wii U and then the, the one on the Switch is already five years old and it's getting DLC. And it's really going to become... I mean, it's not just getting DLC. I feel like that almost undersells it. The game is basically being doubled. Doubled. Right? Yeah. And uh, like this amount of new tracks is the amount of tracks that you typically get into... It's like a new Mario Kart game into one, into <laughs> being added to this. Um, and it's going to make this the ultimate Mario Kart game. You know, if yes. it, 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 it already was, but... You know, at this point, there probably won't be a lot of tracks left that are not featured in this game, right? <laughs> like from from all of Mario Kart history, it's almost making it Mario Kart Ultimate, like Smash Ultimate, right? Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? I'm I'm uh, I'm split on this one. I have two uh, I have two mindsets on this one. I'm happy and I'm also uh, like angered, uh, angered on this one because all right, we're not getting Mario Kart Nine. Like that's the first thing. That's my first reaction. Yeah. Is not a Mario Kart Nine. Fuck you. You know, like yeah. you know that. At least not for the next two years possibly probably not on the yeah. switch Pro that's probably yeah, like, gonna be safe for the next nintendo console every mm -hmm. nintendo hardware has had its own mario kart to call its own except for the switch except basically that's how and, and yet it but but still it has the best-selling mario best you know probably the best-selling <laughs> mario kart of all time right true yeah yeah i'm not, I'll, I'll give them that so like I'm I'm a little mad about that. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little mad because now they've given me a reason to buy the Nintendo 64 expansion pack. Yeah, I I'm forgot to mention that. Like, I want now I'm gonna be like, damn! Now I gotta buy the expansion pack because it's gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be better off 
buying the expansion pack, having access to the DLC, and then having the Nintendo 64 games. Yeah. You know, like... I felt... I thought the same thing because, you know, we didn't mention this. So I do want to make sure the listeners know um, you can spend 25 bucks to get the Spisa DLC or you can get the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, which is the, you know, $70 a year, $80 a year, whatever um, version of it, tier of it. And then that includes the Nintendo 64 games, the Sega Genesis games and these DLC packs. There was one for uh, Animal, Crossing. Animal Crossing and now there's this one for Mario Kart 8. I definitely think they're adding value to that package. Um, it. It's still like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might sign up for it as well. It's probably going to be one of those things where I'm begrudgingly doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, if if this if it means Nintendo is going to make more DLC like this, you know, to keep feeding into it, I think then maybe that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Because I, I like they constantly make DLC free for expansion pass members. Then yeah. it's only going to make people want to buy the expansion pass. Because honestly, I like seeing Nintendo do DLC. They're they're kind of new to it, right? They haven't been doing it for as long as other companies have. Uh, but Nintendo usually makes very good DLC, I think. Like, the um, the Mario Kart 8 on the Wii U had DLC that was included on 8 Deluxe, and that was pretty solid DLC. It has, you know, the Zelda track and the F-Zero track and everything else. Uh, some new characters and whatnot. And this seems like a great DLC package as well. All the DLC for Smash Ultimate is fantastic, right? So um, I like the idea that, like, if every year I could get, you know, two or three Neil DLC packs for different first party Nintendo games, I feel like that 100% makes it worth it at that point, you know, on just mm. on that alone. And, and I like the idea that these games can evolve so that rather than getting a new one every few years or whatever, then that version of the game on the Switch can become the the best version that that franchise ever was, right? That they can, you know, improve on it until Mario, that's, this is the best Mario Kart to ever Mario Kart, as you would have said, the, <laughs> the best Smash to ever Smash, which is already probably the case. Um, so I think this is cool. This is exciting to me. So like, that was like my anger stuff, but then like my happy stuff, like my, my happy uh, reactions is like, you know, it's more Mario Kart, you know, I'm, I'm very much happy and looking forward to playing it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to sort of like revitalize the, uh, the player base, I would imagine. Um, I will say this, the, one of the things that Nintendo is really like, they, they psych themselves out when it comes to making games. Cause they only want to make a game unless they can do something different. So like with the GameCube, they did the double dash mechanic and with the, with the, the Mario Kart seven on the 3DS, they, they made a glider, they made it so you can drive underwater, you know? So with Mario Kart eight, they made the, like an, the, the anti-gravity wheel mechanic where you can drive yeah. al- alongside the walls. So like they're constantly wanting to like one up themselves with like new mechanics and my thinking is like this reads to me is that Nintendo couldn't think of a Mario Kart 9 gimmick. So they just made these courses and added it to eight. Yeah. I, I have to say though, like I personally I like that mindset. Uh it's what keeps us from getting um annualized franchise. You know, everybody complains about how something like Call of Duty has become annualized and people are bored of it, right? Like there's still a lot of people that buy it every year, but uh, a lot of longtime fans have gotten bored of it and have moved on to play other things and whatnot. Um, and I, I like this idea that like, hey, we are not going to annualize this. We are not going to just release a new one all the time just for the sake of doing so. We are going to do it when we feel like the current version of the game is not as good as it can be, when we feel like there's something more for us to do with this franchise. And I feel like they probably look at Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and they're like, you can't how can you improve it (laughs) like it's just like i i'm serious though like they probably look at it as like this is the perfect mario kart game why would we start from scratch and make a new one when we can just you know keep adding to it and make it even better by just adding more content 
Um, so I don't know. I kind of feel like that is probably the right strategy right now. And at some point, they're probably going to have to come up with whatever the next game is. Um, but I don't... I know we were predicting Mario Kart 9 a while ago and everything, but I don't necessarily mind that we might have to wait a few more years to get that, considering that we're going to have a pretty damn awesome Mario Kart game in our hands, you know? Yeah, and now... Uh... A Mario Kart game needs to come with 96 courses in order to like, <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> to, in order to be worth it. Now it has to be 96 courses at launch plus DLC expansions. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know. They keep making their their jobs harder in the future to uh, outdo themselves, <laughs> right? Um, so the article then hits here on the new uh, Fire Emblem Warriors game, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Uh, which, as much as I love Fire Emblem Three Houses, I don't necessarily care about this. Um, you know, I have I own like higher warriors. I played it a little bit, but I don't really care for these types of game uh, games as much. I bet that you don't have anything to say about this, Lewis. You know, honestly, I'm a little surprised that you weren't like looking forward to it because one of the things about these warrior games, like whether it be like Hyrule Warriors or you know whatever, it tends to have like a, a campaign, a story. You know, and I yes. figured that you would have been like you would have been uh, up this game's, like, ass when it comes to, like, you know, damn, I want to know what happens to these characters, my beloved <laughs> characters, next. No, I I, uh, I liked, you know, seeing the characters in it, and, you know, I watched the direct with Leah, and she, and she played the game, too, and the moment she had, you know, her characters show up on screen, she's like, oh, my God, my babies. Um, and I, I totally get that, but I also, I almost feel like, like, you won't fool me this time, Nintendo. <laughs> like, you know, like, um, obviously not. I don't remember who the developers are. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I, I care more about, um, Fire Emblem from the, the gameplay perspective than I do about these characters being used in a completely different gameplay style. It's not, that's not enough to get me at the door, personally. If it comes out and it gets excellent reviews or something, people are talking about it, then maybe I'll check it out, but I am not immediately up the game's ass. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Now, on to the most hype-inducing announcement of this Direct, in my opinion, something that Lewis did, in fact, predict for last year. I think it's something we had conversations about, like, in the podcast, like, hey, how cool would it be if this actually happened? And it did. Mario Strikers Battle League brings 5v5 soccer action to Switch. This is, of course, the new game in the Mario Strikers series. There was an original entry on the GameCube, and then Mario Strikers Charged on the Wii, which both Lewis and I are big fans of. And it's coming back and released on June 10, 2022. Lewis, what's your reaction? I'm actually kind of happy that they are doing a 4v4 uh, multiplayer, like local multiplayer. I'm like, damn, that's Smash, that's Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate numbers right there that they're putting up there. So I'm actually kind of impressed. But also, it would be sucked if it's like, oh, everyone has to use half a Joy-Con. You know, like that's probably going to be the way they're going to have to do it. You know, I don't think they're going to have eight pro controllers paired up to the Switch, mm. but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I thought this looked really cool. Um, it very much reminded me of the Wii game. I um, I don't think it looked. Um, it it doesn't. They're not reinventing the wheel, right? I think they're taking right. the formula and just adding to it and making it better. But because I actually played that game um, not that long ago, I still very much remember what it looks like on the Wii as far as the resolution and the <laughs> textures and stuff. And this game looks night and day compared to that. It looks like what you would remember it like, you know, but if you actually put it next, you know, side by side, uh, the Wii version certainly looked a lot worse uh, than what this version does. So it, this just kind of, there's something about uh, the Switch and the Wii U as well. So since Nintendo has gone HD, which is whenever you see these games that, that you had so much fun playing as a kid, but you actually see them looking like a modern game, um, there's something very special about that to me. 
Um, so that was something I got from this, and I am just so excited for it. I think it's going to be so much fun. Eight players, that's a lot of fun. I agree with you. Everybody having to play with one Joy-Con, probably not great, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how it uh, actually works out. Um, go ahead. You know, I just uh, realizing that there's a pattern here where Nintendo um, only re- releases their sports games in the summer. So, like, uh, Mario Tennis Aces was a, was a May release when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Golf. I'm trying to look at Mario Golf's release here. Um, so Mario Golf for the Switch came out on May or May second. So like they tend to, they tend to want to have these games uh, be a, a summer game. Uh, the sports mm. games. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Talking about sports games, and I'm gonna start skipping around the article a little bit to uh, hit what are some of the highlights for me. Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports announced, and it's a new take on Wii Sports. So they're going to be doing an online play test for this, which is free for Nintendo Switch online members uh, between February 18th and 20th. So um, about like two weeks from now when you're listening to this or a week and a half. And the actual game will become available on April 29th. It features bowling. Um, it features bowling, tennis, Shambara, which is sword play mini game. I think that was on Wii Sports Resort. Uh, there are some new mini games like soccer, Batman, badminton and volleyball. Um, the lag strap accessory from Ring Fit Adventure uh, works with it as well and is included in the physical v- release of the game. Um, and also, they're going to be adding post-release content um, after the game releases. They're going to start with a golf update. They're going to be adding golf to the game a little bit later on. Uh, so this is the next entry in the Wii Sports series, basically. And this really kind of caught me off guard. I don't think anybody was really predicting this, but once you see it, it's so obvious. It almost made me go like... Why did they wait five years to do this? This feels like it should have been there, right? <laughs> At launch. At yeah. launch, right? Um, this yeah. feels like this This should have been the one-two switch, <laughs> right, in a way. I, obviously, that's too easy a thing to say now. Um, but my, my question is, yeah, is, like, I wish that they called it Wii Sports 3. You know what's like, funny? I said the I same do. thing. Because um, I was on one side, I'm like, well... It might be confusing for them to put Wii in the name when this is not a Wii game, it's a Switch game, but Wii Sports is a franchise, right? Like that's yes. that name now means something that is beyond just what the Wii was. So I bet they had that discussion internally, like Nintendo Switch Sports that almost feels like it's not necessarily Related. you know, a, a, a sequel to Wii Sports. It feels like it's just, oh, this is another different take on you know a sports game on the Switch. Um, yeah. But it is so clearly a sequel to Wii Sports. Um, that I, I agree. I feel like they could have called it like Wii Sports Switch or something, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, like when you have like the Wii Fit Trainer as a standalone character in Smash Brothers, it's a franchise, you know what yes, I mean? Like, yes, yes, yes. Um, like I think they could have gotten away with calling it Wii Sports 3, you know, just on name recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also kind of like see like they seem to be getting away from the Miis. Miis are compatible on the Switch, by the way. And they, just, they, they demonstrated in the demo and everything. However... I noticed that in the footage that they were using, they were like using like these chibi, like crafted new characters that don't look anything like Mies at all. I thought they so looked trying to. I thought they looked so much better than Mies does. You know what I was wondering? <laughs> I was wondering if it's about time Nintendo tries to push some kind of like replacement to the Mies, like or like a like a 2.0 system a version of the Mies. I know they already did that. Actually, they updated the Mies from the Wii, the Wii to, to the, the Wii U, Wii U. Mm-hmm. Um, and they added some new like features and stuff like. I want to see, you know, another iteration of that um, that makes the characters look like what they did in that game. Um, at least to me, I thought you that know, they. I, Go ahead. I feel like I feel like people are getting away from avatars. Yeah. In in games to these days, I think they're not. I think avatars aren't the new sexy thing anymore. But whatever. 
the it, you know regardless i think that's that's cool i i i don't necessarily know if it's a game i'll, I'll buy day one or anything i'm probably going to want to add it to the collection eventually but i've had my share off wii sports <laughs> in the past i don't really see myself playing those that much more day one um yeah <laughs> day course. one for me of course <laughs> um, I thought it was a little odd that it does not include all of the sports from the original Wii Sports. I thought they would. There's no baseball. Golf won't be in it from the beginning. And they also don't have the wrestling one, uh, like boxing. I mm. have a feeling, though, with them adding golf later on, they're kind of indicating that I think this game is going to be sort of a live service game in the Nintendo style where, you know, maybe every few months we'll hear of, uh, you know, a new sport being added to it. They need to add archery because that's the one thing I love from uh, Wii Sports Resort is archery. Um, now the next uh, one I want to hit up here, and I'll I'll, I'll let you, I'll give you some time to just kind of hit up anything you want to talk about, Louis, that I might have skipped. Is Earthbound and Earthbound Beginnings will be added to Nintendo Switch Online that is available right now. Um, so here's the funny thing about this, Louis. Um, they showed Earthbound first, right? And it's like, oh, that's being added to Switch Online. And then they showed Earthbound Beginnings second. And the thing about Earthbound Beginnings is that that one in particular, that game had only been available in like one place before in the in the West, which I think was yes. on the Wii U eShop, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was kind of getting this vibe of like, oh, okay. Like, you know, first, you know, Earthbound is coming to Switch Online. Cool, that's awesome. You know, we had that in a few places before, but I'm glad they're bringing that back and, you know, people are going to be excited about that. And then next is like, now, Earthbound Beginnings, oh, that's interesting. That one is a little bit more rare there. They're kind of going a, a step further there. And then as that trailer was coming to, to the end, I was like, oh, my God, what if? <laughs> Mother 3? <laughs> what if they follow this up with Mother 3 right now? It's like, you know, and the high, highly expected, anticipated boom. Um, but they didn't do it. They stuck to the two original games. Um, do you think there's any hope for Mother 3 out there? You know, honestly, the fact that Nintendo is even bothering to be re-release these games at least lets me know that they're they're re-upping their trademarks, you know, their whatever, their copyrights, or they're at least maintaining that. So their option is always there. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as uh, what I was going to tell you is, like, I actually thought about Earthbound Beginnings the other day, like, see, just randomly. And I thought to myself, you know what, I should play, I should connect my Wii U, uh, you know, plug it back in just so I can log into the eShop and buy Earthbound Beginnings and have a, have a digital copy of it, you know, installed mm-hmm. on my Wii U. Um, because, you know, like, one day the Wii U's eShop and internet's going to get shut off one day and, you know, I... I but, think that it isn't it already. <laughs> no, you can okay. still you can still access the Wii Shop on the Wii U. The Wii was disconnected from the internet, but not the Wii U. Right, right. right. Um, that being said, um, you know, Earthbound Beginnings. I have NSO. I I I have it. So it's like it's not like owning it, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm still that's still an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if I did own it, let's just be real here. I'm not gonna play it. <laughs> I just want to own it for the sake of owning it. So <laughs> it's nice. This is a nice. This is a nice to do. Definitely. Um, there's one here that I want to talk about. Live Alive will come west for the first time in 2022. Uh, that's a JRPG that was previously never released outside of Japan. On July 22, that will change as it will arrive on the Switch on the HD 2D style that games like Octopath Traveler are known for uh, live a life story follows seven protagonists and you can choose to follow their paths in any way you choose so i had i hadn't really heard of this game before or at least i didn't have the name in my head uh and they showed a lot of interesting jrpgs and tactics games in this direct 
But this was the one that caught my attention the most because it is basically seven different stories put together in one game um, where you can pick different like time frames in history. And it's like there's like a caveman story, you know, then there's a, you know, like a medieval time story all the way up to the the far future. Um, And they all like interconnect somehow. And it just I thought that, you know, they're they're remastered work on it made it look like really cool and it just it just seems like such a cool concept of a game and then i went to twitter and per schneider from ign was tweeting about how this is one of his favorite jrpgs of all time and talking about how you know he, he played it in japan or whatever and there's so much pedigree behind this game like um known developers from other jrpgs worked on it and there's like a um a manga artist like a famous manga artist in japan who like did the art and like all these things and how this is actually like some like super production from back in the day that just never saw the light of day here and i think Damn. it's just cool that so much later we're getting a game like that finally being brought over uh to to the west yeah i think this is square right i believe this is square doing this. yes yes so, i think so so square is using their own engine that they made for octopath traveler and just basically using that that engine like that they're, they're putting it to good use so yes that's good Yes, definitely. Uh, now, like, I, I don't know. It almost kind of it almost kind of reads that like when I see seven protagonists and stuff like that, it almost kind of reads like they're like ripping off of themselves when they did Octopath Traveler. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of funny. It, it, I I do think that that's not a coincidence. You know, we had like Octopath Traveler. They're working on Triangle Strategy now, and in the meantime, we're seeing this game finally get released in the in the West. I, I, there's some kind of there's some kind of strategy going on there. <laughs> <laughs> a triangle strategy, if you yeah, will. Yeah, perhaps because <laughs> it's three games, right? I just mentioned three different games. So. <laughs> um, now, the, the, the trend for the rest of this Direct is pretty much the trend for Ports. some of the previous Directs, which is that everything is coming to the Switch, right? So Portal 1 and 2 are coming to the Switch. MLB The Show is going to come to the Switch for the first time now in 22. And I actually paused it during the Direct because I wanted to see in the box art. They show the box art from MLB The Show, and it has PlayStation Studios logo at the bottom <laughs> of the box. It's so funny, dude. Like, to, this era that we live in now where you can see, like, a Switch or an Xbox box art with a PlayStation logo in it. Very interesting. Uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed is coming to the Switch. No Man's Sky is coming to the Switch. Klonoa and Klonoa 2 are coming to the Switch. Um, you know, I just looked up uh, Klonoa on uh, PriceCharting.com. Mm-hmm. A complete in-box, uh, a complete, you know, Klonoa is five hundred dollars. A wow. loose, just the disc is two hundred dollars. Dang. So I, I think they're doing us a favor by re-releasing this game. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, it is a bit of a cult hit. I'll tell you that. Um, Louis, what do you want to highlight? I'll kind of give the floor over to you now. Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, let me see here. So, okay. First off, Splatoon 3, you know, I gotta say, I am very much, uh, looking forward to it. My nephews are big Splatoon fans. They want me to buy it for them day one. Dude, and of course, I'll there was lunch. something with that trailer that really bothered me, by the way, but sorry, let me oh, yeah. finish. Yeah. Go for it. There, the audio, there was something really? with the audio. They had this like really like bass heavy, like almost like kind of disturbing soundtrack to it. That I was, I almost want to like try to pull it up on my phone or something. I was like, oh, this it sounds so weird. Um, but it, I, it didn't sound like the. It, it almost felt like they were going for like this darker, like this like darker urban vibe, as opposed to <laughs> you know, I think of like the previous is like, you know, like like I, I'm blanking on what it actually sounds like now, but it's uh, where it's like a lot more like fun and exciting. Um, but yeah, go ahead. that's true. Yeah. Um, the, the opening scenes actually reminded me of like Metal Gear Solid 2 of all things. I don't know if you remember what MGS2 was like, but you're on like an oil rig in the middle of an ocean and like 
it just sort of gave me that those vibes. Uh, but that one, I wanted to sh- shout out that one. I also want to shout out uh, Chrono Cross. Um, now, I've never played any of the Chrono Trigger games or anything like that for the Super Nintendo or not, anything like that. I'm aware, of the, I'm aware of the franchise. I know it exists. But what's really uh, interesting is about this is that there is... Uh, we talked about like the Legend of Zelda, like the you know uh, BS Zelda and stuff like that. It was a Satella mm-hmm. view only thing. Uh, so what they're doing here for Chrono Cross is there was a, uh, a thing called Radical Dreamers, which is like some kind of text adventure thing that they uh, was only available for the Satella view, and it never got translated and never came to the West. Uh, so basically, when you get this uh, remaster, it comes with that with that uh, text adventure there. So it's going to get translated and. So I think uh, people, uh, I've seen some reactions on YouTube. People are very excited for that. Um, so I think that's uh, that's awesome. I'm happy for anyone that's uh, excited. Again. Cool. I think this Chrono Cross re-release, there was like a, a leak about it a while ago because the composer that worked on the original game is also working on this. Um, and apparently he tweeted about it or some, talked about how he was working on some Chrono-related project and then people started speculating and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, cool to, cool to see it here. Uh, there's also a Disney racing game that looked kind of interesting, by the way. It was like Mario Kart I, Disney. I love I love that they put that in the same direct that they announced Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Expansion DLC. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm going after the same audience. That's very interesting. I know. I wonder what Disney feels, how, <laughs> how these, these games uh, developers feel about that, you know? Uh, but it's a free-to-play That's game, like- you know? It's like a it's like a two it's like a two headed thing because it's like on the one hand you know you're you're undermining you're like you know eating your lunch kind of thing but on the other hand you're put in front of a big audience that's tuning in and you're gonna have eyes on you so yes yeah. yes fair enough I want to play the just a little bit of the the audio from the Splatoon trailer because don't you think this sounds weird it just doesn't sound like uh, what I would have expected Splatoon to sound like it's a it's a deviation from the Splatoon 2 soundtrack, I'll give you that. Yeah. I just, I was really bothered by it for some reason. It's like they're, it was almost like they were trying to make it intentionally sound disturbing to me or something. Like, specifically to me. They're like, we're, we're going to fuck with Daniel. Um, but, you know. <laughs> the last bit. Yeah. <laughs> the last bit. Mouthful mode. Kirby. Oh, what yes. <laughs> Dude, there's so many memes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fucking funny. Um. Yeah, man, we got to see more of that Kirby game. Do you care? I am, I'm a little fifty-fifty on this one because, like, I, I I bought Kirby games for the sake of buying them. Yeah. And I feel like this would be the same. Uh, my niece really likes the Kirby games. Uh, I, now she's grown now, so I don't know if she's gonna be interested in this. But uh, but yeah, that being said, like one of the things that I do like about Kirby is that when it comes to these Kirby games, like especially with like Planet Robobot, they tend to be very creative and very fun. Yeah. So this sure. is like kind of in that vein. All right, sounds good. So, overall, final thoughts on the Nintendo Direct, Lewis? Honestly, like, the pacing was really, really good. So, if there was something that didn't speak to you, they didn't really take too much time. So, they were able to keep moving a mile a minute. And sometimes, when it comes to certain of these, some of these announcements, they didn't even let you catch your breath if you were really hyped and stuff like that. So, with that being said, this this would probably be, like, my first ever 10 out of 10 that I've given a uh, Nintendo Direct. All right, I'll give it an 8. I thought it was great. Really? Yeah, I thought it was great. That's what it means to me. You know, like it was a great direct, uh, great pacing. Uh, the last one was good. This one was great. I feel like the best Nintendo Direct I've ever seen was probably like an 8.5 and the worst was probably a 6. So um, this puts it. <laughs> what does it take to get a 10 from you is what I want to know. Oh, man. I would need, like, here's the thing. Do there they was... need to, like, announce, like, Super Mario Odyssey 2 and show you Breath of the Wild 2? Yes, and... yes, yeah, yeah. That would be a 10. Tender... And, like... like, 
like think about it this way, right? Uh, people talk about like that era dreams uh, Sony conference <laughs> or whatever. Do you remember that? Where they yeah. showed, it was like everything that people had been speculating forever that they wanted or whatever. They got that plus some more, right? Yeah. Um. So to me, that would be like a ten out of ten Nintendo Direct, right? Like this. Ultimately, this had one game that I'm very excited about, which was Mario Strikers, and and a few others that I'm like, oh, that's cool. And that's it. And that's okay. That's the thing. My expectations are low. I do not expect to get more than a handful of games that I like or whatever, like one that I'm very excited about. But, you know, I will tell you a direct is a 10 out of 10 the day they show me, you know, here's Breath of the Wild 2 with the title and gameplay and a release date. Here's what the Mario team is working on. Here's here's Metroid Prime 4 finally and Donkey Kong. Now, I'm not saying they need to do that, but I'm just saying that's what it would take for me to give it a 10, <laughs> mm. you know, but uh, with this game, like with this, I have three day ones here on this one. I got like Mario Strikers. I got Nintendo Switch Sports and I got Splatoon 3. I mean, I can I couldn't really be happy. And then a, an iffy like Kirby, probably maybe day day 30, but, you know, <laughs> day <like>, two. <laughs> uh, so like I'm saying, like that being said, like with three day ones on here, plus some surprises and stuff like that, I, I honestly wouldn't. I have nothing to complain about. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know what? I also got a little, you know, personally uh, bothered by the bait with the Fire Emblem stuff. Because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was actually hoping for a new... Uh, I'm actually at this point hoping for a new legit Fire Emblem game. Because it's been three years. So hopefully we'll hear about that sometime soon. Let me mm-hmm. let me revise it to four day ones because of the Mario Kart 8 DLC. Yes. There you go. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Louis, that is it for Nintendo Direct Talk, which is one of our two only topics today. And our next topic is... Drumroll. Or game of the year 2021. We're a little bit late to this, I know. You know, it's been we've been in 2022 for about like six weeks now or whatever. Uh, but you know, Louis and I like to take our time. We don't like to rush things. We don't like to do, you know, the thing the game awards do, where they 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 do it too too early and then games become not eligible and anything. You know, the <laughs> here at Ready Press Play, we we like to do things right. You know, so uh, <laughs> give ourselves extra time to make sure to play the games that we want to nominate. You know, yes, a hundred percent. And uh, and the way this goes is uh, we're just kind of gonna take turns talking, and it's it's gonna be a little bit more conversational. We're gonna be giving our own individual awards. Uh, and then maybe at the end, we're going to have a conversation uh, to give a uh, final award together. Um, okay. Louis, what 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 was 2021 like for you in terms of uh, games that you played? Um, well, obviously, like, like, I'm actually kind of, I looked back on it and, okay, first of all, I was surprised that the number of, like, games that I did play, like, it was very low. Cons- like, how do I put mm-hmm. this? I played a low number of games, but I'm surprised by the volume of games that I played, if you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I was, like, uh, pleasantly surprised by how, like, how much I played, considering that, like, I didn't take on any backlog this year. I was, mm. like, slaving away on Mondays for Ready Play movies and stuff like that. I didn't have a lot of time for, for, for gaming uh, this year. Uh, but that being said, I have uh, a pretty, I had a steady diet of enough games that I can, that I have, uh, en- I, that I have an opinion on. So right, right. that being said, I have enough to talk about. I'm very happy with it. Um, I didn't give away as many awards as I, uh, as you would think. So I was a little, I played a little fast and loose in a couple of these categories. So you'll have to humor me. How many, how many categories did you, uh, did you bring to the table? Nine. Nine. Okay. So you got one more than me. Um, actually I can have nine as well. If I consider one of the ones that I had cut down here. Wait a minute. Um, let me count. Let me count again. 10, <laughs> 10 uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Never mind. I got nine. 
All right. Um, I'm going to say that I actually played quite a few games in 2021, but I beat less games than I did the year prior. So in 2020, I remember while doing the podcast, I started this thread. I was tracking out the games that I was as I was finishing them. And I actually finished like I can't remember now, but something like 17 games by the end of the year or something. Um, this year, I only finished like six or seven. I I started a thread and then I, at some point I stopped even updating it because I couldn't find it anymore and I didn't care enough to go look for it. Um, but I did play a bunch of games. There's a lot of games that I kind of checked out and played for a little bit and then kind of bounced off of it. Um, and some of those will get awards. Uh, but first, I just wanted to mention some of the games that I played that I'm not going to give any awards to. So just like these are just other random games that I played this year. Um, so uh, Persona 5 Royal, I just kind of started and I played it for a little bit. Uh, uh, I play, uh, this, these are like old games, right? Like I played uh, Folklore, this old PS3 game a little bit. I played some games on the Wii, like Guitar Hero, Mario Party 8, Boom Blocks. Uh, I played a little bit of Civ 6. Uh, I never mentioned that to you, but I, I finally did get, get around to playing it, but I didn't do nice. much. Uh, played some FIFA, uh, checked out River City Girls, uh, Haven, which was this game that was on Game Pass in the beginning of the year. It was like a co-op uh, game about a couple. It was kind of cool. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening on the 3DS. I restarted playing that. I got about halfway through. I was playing the original Psychonauts. Uh, I wanted to play that before Psychonauts 2, but I never finished it. Halo 2, I got to like 80% through and then didn't finish it. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm playing through right now. Metroid Samus Returns, I actually beat. I played it again. Uh, we finished Halo 1 together. That was still last year, which is crazy because that feels like so long ago. <laughs> um, Ori and the Blind Forest was also 2021 um, that we did that. It was like January. Um, yes. And then, you know, the medium, I, I started playing it. I fell out of it. Death's Door, uh, which was this indie game that came out towards like the second half of the year. I, I, I played it for like two hours and then I also bounced off of it. Uh, and then I played Fortnite uh, quite a bit during certain times of the year. Uh, all of those, so that's just kind of like an interesting representation of how much I was like jumping around this year between, you know, new games, Game Pass stuff, older games that I wanted to play there on the PS3, the Wii, the 3DS. Uh, I've been a little all over the place. Uh, the thing I realized that was interesting about this last year is that I played very little PS4 um, and I played very little Switch. Oh. Almost all my gaming I did on the Xbox. Series X oh, this year. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, to the point where I got my like stats back at the end. You know, I, I I don't think Xbox does that, but I got the ones from the PlayStation and Switch and it was literally like, Oh, you played you played your PS4 for like fifteen hours this year or <laughs> something. It was like they were like very low, uh, which was interesting. Um I think I already put more than that this year already in twenty twenty two, actually. Um so yeah, um that's kinda interesting. And then I have two games that I want to shout out uh, as honorable mentions, and you're going to be surprised by this a little bit. There's two games that came out in 2021 that I think most likely deserved to be given an award, Um, but I did not play enough of them to confidently know if I want to award them yet. Um, And these two games are the game Inscription, um, which is an indie uh, card, like, roguelike deck-building game uh, that's only on PC. And this game, Lewis, is really fucking cool because at, at first it presents itself as, like, you know, here's another card game, uh, like, you know, um, Slay the Spire or Hearthstone, or put whatever in there. Hearthstone is a little different because this is a roguelike, so it's like you're building the deck and then you restart it every time or whatever. Um, 
But the different thing about this game is that you actually have control off your character. Like you're actually playing as a character who is playing the card game. And you're being, you've been kidnapped basically. And there's somebody forcing you to play against them in this dark room. And there's an there's like an extra element to the game. There's like an escape room element to the game because as you're playing the card game, you also learn more about what's going on and what you're doing there and how to get out. Um, and it's just kind of interesting. Like you can get up from the table and actually explore your environment a little bit in a very limited way. Um, so it's just like there's like this cool spin in a card game that I'd never seen before. So that's part of why this game has stood out so much for so many people. Um, and it's definitely really cool. I definitely want to play more. And the other one that I'm giving an honorable mention to, but not an award, and that's the one where you're going to be surprised about, Lewis, is Metroid Dread. Really? And the oh. reason is because I put a few hours into Metroid Dread. Um, I got to some kind of boss that I was stuck on for a while, and then I fell out of it, and I just feel like I didn't see it enough to confidently want to give it an award yet <laughs> interesting i i think i saw even less than you because i played it between last week and this week and mm -hmm. uh i i felt confident enough to see, feel like i have an opinion on the game on and that's just, like, fine the, the gameplay the feel the atmosphere you know the tone like i have enough to say about it to say mm -hmm. that i can put it in my you know, i can put it in my categories you know what i mean like and, 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 and that's totally fine, and I actually feel that way about another game that I'm going to bring up later. Um, but I just, when I was deciding my awards, I just kind of left Metroid Dread out, out of it, ultimately. Um, so yeah, that's it for just kind of my intro. Now, I don't know if you just want to do your first award or if you have any any intro to give as well. No, no, I think I covered it already. Like, I I think I technically beat more games than you uh, for, for 2022, but like... Half of them were were uh, reviews that I had to read. Right, so, right, right. Know, like, um, that being said, um, I'm gonna I want to start things off, and I wanna I want to start things off on a low note because this is my only bad award uh, that I have. It's called the disappointment award. Ooh. Now this is not like a, a total complete slight. I know it's over. I think it's overstating it, but let me give you the 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 the, the explanation. The Disappointment Award is a game that I was anticipating, I was hyped behind, I was there for that marketing cycle, and then it didn't live up to my expectations. That's okay. not to say that the games were bad or that they sucked, it's just that means that like I was, I came in there with two high expectations. Uh, the nominees are Nickelodeon <laughs> All-Stars Brawl, mm. 12 Minutes, mm. and Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Hmm. You have nominees for your categories, I don't. <laughs> but, alright, go for it. Uh, the, the winner is Nickelodeon All-Stars. Dang. Um, the game for me is too much like Melee, but like, but also in the worst bit way. Like, I think that they want to, they have like these weird control scheme things. All right. Okay. There's some, there's a lot of things wrong with this game. Weird control schemes. When you, you can't permanently map your controller, you have to, they're the, you have to map your controller every time you boot up the game. Uh, whenever you want to go down a platform in Smash Brothers, you just press down and then you just, you know, go down the platform. Mm -hmm. But in, in Nickelodeon All-Stars, you have to press down and then the jump button in order to jump down. Uh, so I think that's just like really tedious. Uh, the game is very clunky and not very fluid for me to play, but like I've seen pro players like play and really boss and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. It's just like to play the game so optimally, it feels like you have to cramp your fingers and like mm -hmm. give yourself finger cramps. Um, and like, yeah, I just don't think that the game is really well, you know, the game's budget shows and like even in like a, the competitive scene is almost kind of dead for it right now. But when the competitive scene was alive, it was a lot of degenerate play. 
and uh, a lot of things had to get patched out because of like some degeneracy. And uh, yeah, like the game for me was marketed as like the, the as a smash killer, and it didn't do that. And with the times that I had my friends over to play the game, no one responded well to that game. No, everyone thinks it sucks. It's not in the rotation, and I've had people over, and it didn't make the cut. So Dang. yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> my first award is actually a repeat off uh, of an award that I did last year. I was listening back to it as well. And this is called The Best Game Made Entirely by One Person. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I was, yeah, I went back to mine and, like, try to make as, bring back as many of my old categories from last year as well. I just, I, you know, the funny thing is I just blanked on who won this last year. <laughs> oh, um, It was uh, Phasmophobia yes, won last year. That's right, that's right. Uh, now, this year, I'm going to give it to... And this might not be 100% fair, but we're going to talk about it. I'm going to give it to 12 minutes. All right. <laughs> That's not one person. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. If you look at the developer for that game, you're going to see like one person's name. It is not The game was not developed by one person. It was originally developed by one person. Then, mm-hmm. you know, he got some money behind it. Obviously, there's voice acting in it. And it's not necessarily fair. But there was one main outdoor behind the story of the game. It did start as like the small indie project that then got some more money around it so perhaps it's not the most fair way to put it but generally the game isn't advertised as like hey this is this guy's game right so i thought it was fair and here's the thing about 12 minutes is that um i went through the cycle with 12 minutes where yes uh, we were both very hyped for it right we're Mm -hmm. both excited for this game we kept talking about it. it we were in it for the hype cycle the game comes out, uh, we played through it, we finished it, we did a spoiler cast, and in our spoiler Wait, cast... We? Yes. And, I don't uh, remember us doing a spoiler cast, I am okay. pretty positive we did. I would need to go back and look like, into you know, the podcast you know what, feed. While but... you talk, I'm going to go to our Ready Press Play feed okay. and find it. Let's find out. It would okay. be all the way back in like April or March or something. Yeah, um, I got this. <laughs> and when we talked about it, we went pretty in-depth with like what we liked about the game and what we didn't like about the game. There was a lot that we did like... And then there was a lot that we didn't like either. There, the game definitely lacked on the polish side. It definitely uh, just didn't feel like a like a fully realized game to the extent that it could have been. Um, and I have since perceived a lot of hate in quote uh, in quotes towards that game online. And it's not I, I'm not trying to like you know exaggerate it or something, but I've seen a lot of people look at it and be like, hey, this game is just plain bad, or you know. I've seen people say, play more indie games. You should all play more indie games when people have brought up this game and indie game of the year conversation or whatever. Um, And I don't necessarily think that's fair either. Because I, when I look at that game, I look at it in a similar way that I do a lot of other uh, indie games, how I look at Phasmophobia in a way. This is a game that lacked, did not have the same level of polish that you would have gotten from a triple a game perhaps um but it is trying to do something really cool and unique and ultimately the game did grab me and put me in a position where i wasn't like i couldn't stop playing it until i really um went through it you know and um and 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 finished it uh and then i wanted to talk to people about it and when i when i think about what i want games to do to me like i want games to make me feel uh, emotions, even that if that means like being upset at the plot twist. I want games to make me feel engaged, intrigued to the point where I can't put my controller down because I want to see what happens next. 
And I definitely think this game achieved that. So I think ultimately, despite uh, it being rough around the edges, uh, that the game did what it set out to do and it left a lasting impact on me. And I can list a lot of games that I played this year, but when I think about games that I will remember uh, in a year or five years from now or 10 years from now, I actually think 12 minutes is among those. So I think, yeah, I really do. Um, So I actually think 12 minutes deserve more credit than it got. Really? Okay. Well, here's, I put it in my, my, my disappointment nominees. So I like how yes. uh, that was a completely like 180 on that one. But that being said, I almost forgot about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, uh, I only remembered it when I was putting together this list of my nominees and stuff. Um, we didn't do it a spoiler cast. We did impressions on it on one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked it up. That being said, like, uh, they're, they're, the game was a little bit too frustrating. I think the thing about adventure games, and this is not, this is like a thing of the genre, not the game itself. Adventure games are obtuse, you know, like you gotta, like, it's got weird logic where you want to combine items to do this, you know, like, and that's one of the things that like, it sucked about playing the game is like, I don't even remember if I used a, a, a YouTube like walkthrough or whatever. Like I, I might have, or I might have tried to refrain from doing so. And in doing so, I got stuck in a loop where like I can't progress anywhere because I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know. So actually, I did use a, I did use a strategy. I did use an IGN walkthrough there to, to uh, so that way I can not spoil myself. I can just get the answer without getting like the the spoiler. You know. So, but yeah. Um, that being said, just uh, nah. I don't, I don't think it's gonna leave an impression on me, is what I was trying to say. But that being said, I mean, you know, water cooler talk. Yes, I, I, I kind of sort of agree with you on that. I, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I, I'm very, uh, I'm flabbergasted that we did. <laughs> I have this very strong memory of us like talking about it in depth about like the spoilers and the, you know, the the turns that the story took and everything. So I'm wondering if. Uh, like we had it off air maybe we had it off air yeah um and i just assume or maybe uh we'd get into spoilers in that um in that one <laughs> discussion that we did but uh regardless let's let's move on to your next award all right so i'm gonna go ahead and do two awards here uh just to get it over with um the uh the most time and money sank award okay you already know it fortnite <laughs> yeah that's right fortnite <laughs> It won last year for what is it? Uh, best uh, what is it called? The the the, the game awards category where it's ongoing like the best, game. Uh, best ongoing, ongoing game. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. But yeah, no, I think uh, with this one, like I just I think I spent way more money than I ever imagined ever playing in, in like in the game where like there was like more and more uh, collaborations happening with like Tom Holland and you know Dune and Will Smith and Carnage and Venom and all these other stuff. Just collaborations out the ass, you know. Uh, freaking! I think even this in 2021, like Ryu and Chun Li and Guile and Cammy and yes, uh, video game characters joined the roster. Like uh, freaking Gears of War characters and all these other stuff. Like Naruto, you know. So it's like 2021 was like a year for like sinking money into Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's all I wanted to say about that one. I don't really. Uh, I think uh, Fortnite is definitely in its stride right now with its latest season. So I don't really have much to say beyond that. Um, so that's my one award right there for that one. And then I'm going to give the, my, uh, it's called the next gen moment award. Okay. So what do you think is the winner of the, the next, the, the game that says this is next gen death loop? No, uh, this is not even a game. It's a, it's a demo, <laughs> the matrix unreal engine. Oh, demo. dang. That's, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. I'm going to give an award to that one because 
I've been wanting this generation of game consoles to to hit that uncanny valley where you don't know if you're looking at a CGI person or somebody being filmed in front of a camera. Yeah. Like there was this moment in the games where they were doing the cutscene where they were fucking with you and saying like, is this real or not or whatever? And there was like, there were some like, like the young, obviously young Keanu Reeves is obviously fake, but there were some where it was like, they were blending the, the, the trinities, like the actress between her CGI model and her, and her, uh, on camera, you know, in front of the, in front of the camera person, like they were fucking with you. And I, I, I really liked it. And I'm like, this is what I need. This is what I need game games graphics to be at that level. And playing the 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 demo was actually kind of uh, cool because you get to see so many cool like developer shit. But also there's this cool like little action set piece that you know is demanded by the PR marketing stuff and it's very fourth wall breaking. So I'm loving it. Uh, so yeah, the, the Matrix Unreal Tech demo. It's like 15 minutes long. You just you enjoy it and you get a just a sliver of what what next gen feels like. Yeah, I remember when I I think I talked about it in the podcast and you hadn't checked it out yet and I I, I told you to do so. Yeah, that that freaking thing is really cool and I, I definitely think everybody who has the ability to play it uh has a platform where you can play it should check that out um because it is an interesting window on what games can look like one day yeah ps5 xbox series <laughs> they're free to download i don't know if it's i don't know if it's free to download on pc yeah i'm not yeah. sure i'm not sure um yeah. all right i'm gonna do my next two categories then for uh, I have a category for a best sports slash racing game. Okay. <laughs> and I'm for, about to get uh, Forza. Yeah, I'm about to get very game awards with my future categories here, uh, and that is Forza okay. Horizon Five. You are correct. Um, what can I say? This game just grabbed me more than I thought it would. Um, I'm not big into car games in general. When I was younger, I played a little bit of Need for Speed and a little bit of Gran Turismo. I checked a few things out here and there. Um, but I hadn't played um, a car game in a long time, and I installed this game from Game Pass because people kept talking about it, and I checked it out, and I actually had a lot of fun and sunk a lot of hours into it. Uh, it's such a cool game to just kind of drive around and explore and just kind of do challenges, you know? It's it's so relaxing. You can turn on. Uh, there's music in the game. You know, you got the radio stations that you can alternate in between, or you can play music on your phone or a podcast or whatever. Just kind of sit on the couch, put your feet up, and just kind of drive around and go look for races to do or whatnot. Um, I am not that great at the game, uh, but the game is very accessible. You know, there's plenty of accessibility settings, and but aside from that, it's like if you're if you're doing bad and you fall behind on a race, you can kind of like rewind. There's like this rewind feature that you can oh use mid race. <laughs> it's almost like a cheat, right? Um, yeah. and I usually tell myself like, I'm not going to use it. And then in certain situations I do use it. Um, but I don't know. It's just such a good time. Um, it's, it's a perfect arcadey driving game. Uh, probably the best, you know, the, the best arcadey driving game to ever, uh, be made. So I, I definitely think everybody should check it out if they have a chance. And then I have a best party game category and Super Mario all stars super mario party superstars good good one yes you're, you're probably going to call most of my categories from now on because you know the games <laughs> i play mario party superstars such a fun mario party game which by the way daniel subagal you're probably listening to this he reached out to me a while ago when the game came out he was just like hey we should play it or whatever yes we should i hadn't bought the game yet by that point uh, but I have it now, and I've played it in friends' houses. Uh, we've had a friend over a while ago, and we uh, we played it with them for a while. And Lee and I have just been playing it together every once in a while too. Uh, it's just so fun. Uh, it's just you know 
typical classical Mario Party goodness, which I kind of missed really before. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting to experience it now with this game. Uh, and I definitely think it's just a great party game to have right now in your rotation if you're somebody that likes to have friends over. You know, I, I know that you have a different definition of... Uh, of, of, of a gaming party, Louis, because you're more like, you know, hardcore and your friends like to get in and play like... We played Mario Party before. We played... Okay. We, Mario Mario Party GameCube has been, has been in the rotation with us. So. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, obviously this game is almost not skill-based at all. <laughs> like there's so much <laughs> bullshit to it. Uh, I feel like there is the skill component in the mini games, but what happens in the board and just your, di your dice rolls are so much more influential to you ultimately winning or not. Um, but regardless, it's just a good time. It's good for, you know, gamers and non-gamers alike, I feel like. Um, and you should, uh, you should definitely have this in your arsenal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, I kind of, I've been meaning to buy that game, but yes. All right. My next category is, let's go with, let's go with this one. I wish I played this award. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so this is uh, the award for the my most anticipated game that already came out. Okay. So, what do you think the winner is? I can give you the nominees if you want. Give me the nominees. Okay. The nominees are Ratchet and Clank: Rift Apart, Kenna: Bridge of Spirits, hmm. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Forza Horizon Five, and Resident Evil Village. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I'm guessing. Ah, I don't know. It could be Kana. It could be Ratchet and Clank. Could be Guardians. I think it's one of the, those three. Because I don't really see you playing Resident <laughs> Evil Village nor Forza. I feel like you just put those in there because you know I like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do want to try. I do want to check them out. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I really do. Like I, I did play the like the first two-ish hours of Resident Evil Seven, and I like the game. I just, yeah. you know, like I would rather like. I would rather sit next to someone and have them play the game. Yeah, you gotta watch. you gotta be like, able to handle the the jump scares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that being said, like for me, that that counts as playing the game. Yes, you know what I mean, yes, like if did. I can if I can backseat drive, then that's fine. Oh no, that, Le that, Leah has played a lot of games that way, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, uh, you know, the only game that I actually already own and it's the winner is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, so I nice. own the disc. It's in the shrink wrap. And I want to play it the most. I'm just going to go off of that and say I am giving Guardians of the Galaxy an award as well. And I call this the best dialogue, characters, and performances. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. I am roughly 25%-ish through this game. All right? It's not... It's, it's, it's a bit long. It's like it's closer to like a 20 hour game than a 10 hour game, I think. Uh, and I am uh, I know the total amount of chapters and how many have gone through. So I'm about, you know, 25, 30 percent through it. And but this game is just so good, man. It's like it really is very good. It is so fun. The combat is so fun when you get into like you get into this groove in certain moments where you're just kind of telling the other characters what to do and you're jumping around and dashing and using your abilities and some cool like song starts playing like freaking the final show, you know, the final countdown or something. And yeah. it's just such a good time. Um, and they've just been able to capture the, the, the feel, the atmosphere of the franchise so well uh, that I'm so impressed by it. 
and the performances are all excellent all the characters are portrayed so well the dialogue is so well written the game is very chatty like i'm sure some people would get annoyed at how much dialogue there is in the game or the characters <laughs> but it's it's almost like not disruptive dialogue where it, it's not that often that you need to actually like stop and just like have this back and forth with a character for a long time like you do in other games uh, it's more of you're just going through the game and the characters are just constantly talking to each other, but they have perfect banter. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly what you want from this kind of cast. Um, and it seems like it was, like, written by James Gunn himself. Yeah, for, I know. That's what Guardian it feels movies, like. Yeah. It's, it's very good. And I just, I really wish that, uh, I not that I wish, but I, I have a feeling, I said this before, and now that I'm playing the game, I feel it even more so. I think that... If this game had gotten the timing of the release just a tiny bit better, like if it had come out maybe like a month prior or something, that it would have ridden this wave and it would have been a serious game of the year contender. But I feel like it just it just slightly it missed, got buried. Yeah, it just kind of slight, by other stuff. Lightly missed the mark because of when it got released and it got like you said it got buried by other stuff and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I def I definitely think it is like. Uh, top 10 game of the year material you know for for this year so um yeah dude shout out shout out okay all right cool uh my next award is the the best game i didn't finish award this is uh, the category where i played enough of the game to have an opinion on it but you know didn't finish it right so uh i only have two games in this category here uh the nominees are metroid dread and halo infinite okay Okay, interesting. So I'm going to go with the game that pulls to me the most. Like, I, I, I put more time into Halo Infinite, but Metroid Dread is the one that's just making me go into, like, a trance. Like, when I play the game, it's giving me that Ori vibes where it's like like I'm, like, in a hypnotic state where I just want to play the game. Uh-huh. Um, for me, like, the controls are very good. Like, I didn't have any issues with, like, any frame rate or any frame dips or anything like that. So Metroid Dread is just, like... It's like the it's like the shiz and like I don't know why but people were calling it like a hard game but for me like I I guess it's like that fighting game person in me but yeah. I never miss a parry. You know what's funny so, is that like I I didn't find it particularly hard either. I just happened to hit like it's like the third boss or something and where I was just like fuck I just keep trying this and I can't get through it and then I was like I'm going to get back to it later and then you know life and you get sidetracked and you start uh, playing other games and i just kind of forgot about it i think it. it's i think there's like a, a certain like mega man thing about it where it's like yeah. when i get to a boss fight and i can't uh you know i can't win or whatever like i start treating them as mega man boss fights where you have to notice a pattern yes yes and yes. like start like attacking to that like that's one of the things that i that helped me out when i was like trying to take on the valkyries in god of war 2018 you know like it's just treating it like a mega man boss fight uh, so I don't have problems with them in games unless they're like, unless you're like doing Sekiro shit, which I haven't tried. You I, know, I, but. I feel like the other thing for me too, was the fact that I replayed through Samus returns on the 3ds, um, shortly before, or a few months before this game came out. And I feel like once I started playing it as excited as I was for it, and I do really like it. And I do think it's like an improvement, you know, Metroid Samus returns. It was already very, was already very good. I feel like that game got overlooked uh but it was a very good metroid game and this game basically is samus returns but improved right it's like yes. but they added more dynamics to it they added more uh moves to samus and stuff like that and, and there's the whole stealth aspect of it too that is very cool and unique um but i just maybe had a little bit of that fatigue uh where you know you i played them back to back didn't you yeah where i kind of uh. um 
just kind of fell out of it. I was also playing other things at the same time that maybe grabbed me a little bit more. But I don't want that to take away from the game because I do think, I do think it's very good. I do think, you know, we talk about um, how the Switch has these, you know, the the best versions of each franchise, and I do think yeah. Metroid Dread is pro- the best 2D. Yeah, it's probably the best 2D Metroid. And now we have expectations for Prime Four that you know may or may not be met. Uh, but we'll see. But that being said, I only have one negative thing to say about about Metroid Dread. Um, I don't like the way you free aim. Like, I wish that you could free aim with the right stick mm. and move around with the left stick. Uh, like, you have to mo- you have to aim with the left stick while also moving. Um, True. And so I don't think that's really that cool. I think they're just feels like Mercury Steam has like the 3DS mentality of things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where you only uh, have one so, stick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, that's the only my only negative thing to say. Otherwise, the controls are, are great and responsive. So graphics are good. Uh, the the opening uh, cutscene is like very much a, like a TLDR of the franchise thus far, where they just sort of give you enough to get you going, and you don't need to ask any questions. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with that. So uh, that being said, between Halo Infinite and Metroid Dread, having played having played both of them, I'm more interested in seeing Metroid Dread over, uh, through more than Halo Infinite. So. Fair enough. All right, I can uh, do some more here. I'm going to award a few different indie games that I played. Um, For best puzzle game, I want to award a game called The Pedestrian that I played earlier in the year. Uh, You may or may not remember this, uh, Louis, but it's a game where you play as a little stick figure, basically, and you're walking Mm -hmm. around these signs. Like It starts with like street signs, I think, but then you go into other types of environments. And it's just a puzzle game. You're just kind of going around, like, carrying things, you know, going through doors and lining up. Like, you have to line up these panels and connect the doors between them and kind of figure out how uh, things are going to work. And it's just a very fun, good, polished uh, little indie puzzle game. And it wasn't really talked about much. We saw it in an E3 presentation or something, and I made a note about it. And then when I, once I saw that it was out, um, I bought it, I played it, had a great time with it. Uh, definitely recommend, and I think it's available on Game Pass now. Um, so if it is, you guys should definitely go and check it out. If not, and you're into these kinds of indie puzzle games, uh, you maybe should buy it and support the developers. Um, nice. So shout out to that. And then I also got a Best Art Direction Award uh, that I could have given to Kena had I played that, but I didn't. Uh, and I'm giving to The Artful Escape. Uh, th- nice. That's also an indie game that I played. I talked about it. Um, it's a little story-driven adventure game uh, with some basic platforming and rhythm game sections where you play as a musician who's taken into this otherworldly uh, experience. Uh, it's basically, the game basically uh, feels uh, feels and plays like an acid trip. It looks like that and it's just so colorful and so cool and unique. Uh, and while I don't think the game is that great from a gameplay standpoint, it definitely hit everything on the art and also the audio departments so that's why i'm giving it a shout out there for best art direction okay cool all right my next award is the backlog the backlog award (laughs) so it feels like it's customary to to give an award to the best game you played after the fact so dan i told you that i didn't really tackle my backlog this year so for this category there were only two nominees halo do you know (laughs) You know, one of them is Halo 1, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think Halo 1 won? <laughs> Halo 1. Do you think Halo 1 won? I don't know, <laughs> because I don't know what other game... I can't remember what other game 
uh, you played. This I year, uh, so. I said it once on impressions during the entire year podcast of in 2021. So you probably don't remember it, but <laughs> it's the winner. The other I uh, when I was doing the category and the backlog award, like I gave it to Halo One immediately, uh-huh. and then I went back and double checked myself to make sure that I didn't. And so I went back and found it, and I'm like, oh shit, I did play that last year. So the winner of the backlog award is a short hike. Oh yes, that's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, so yeah, a short hike is uh, a very cozy game. It's like the it's a game that you can play in one sitting. Um, it's a game that lets you go at your own pace. It's like this open world game where you can just go on a hike and you know make yourself better and stronger and fly better and all that stuff. It doesn't give you any direction and you can literally like play like the story, like the the quote unquote story, and like. 30 minutes to an hour, and then you just sort of left to your own devices. There really isn't a real ending, but you can sort of get to like a roll credits thing, but you can still keep on playing. Um, I think this game is very, has a very awesome, like living, breathing world and hmm. like in like this old like Nintendo DS graphics and stuff like that. It's so good. And like, I don't know, like I, I, I got something out of it and I really kind of want, it leaves you wanting more. Yeah. So. You know, it's yeah, funny. I uh, I made a list of games I want to play this year today, like kind of like one of those backlog lists that I we make sometimes and don't stick with. And I actually included a short hike in there because um, I remembered it, but I didn't remember it right now. <laughs> um, so my backlog award, basically, which is the best game I played this year that was not from this year, is the game Spiritfarer, which I talked about on the podcast over and over again. Uh, this game, I just played it like a year late, uh, cause it came out in 2020 and I, I had seen it at a convention before. Like I tried it uh, a long time ago. Uh, then it came out, got good reviews, but I got busy and then I got to it this year, played through all of it. You know, it's a long game. There's a lot to it. There was even some, uh, post-release content, some like DLC that they released in 2021 that I played through. They released more DLC later that I haven't played through yet. Um, but it's just a cozy resource management game about death is the description of it. And that's what it is. And it's just great. It's just, you get to, uh, live through these different character stories, get to know them, talk to them, cook their food. There's all these emotional moments to it. Uh, you get to build your ship as well as you go on this adventure. It's just very nice. Uh, I know you talked about it with, uh, Hugger on Cogs as well. She's a fan too. Um, and just, just an excellent, an excellent little indie game um that i got to play this year and honestly one of the best games i played this year as well so wanted to give it a shout here all right cool that's a good one and uh uh, let's see my next award you know is it's funny that before we started this podcast inside baseball we talked about how this was going to be a short one (laughs) and it's actually going to be a long one (laughs) but i know right let's just i only got four more i only got four more categories left i think i got how about you i actually think i got two (laughs) so yeah okay I'll uh, I'll I'll go. Um, let's see. If you have two, I'll go for two then, mm-hmm. just to just to even it out. Um, this is the uh, the gaming memories award. This is the one where like the game that I will cherish the most uh, going forward. I'll be able to remember this five ten years from now very easily uh-huh. with fondness. This award goes to it, it takes, takes two. two. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you probably could have called it. I could have. I should have let you guess it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Like I I. Uh, I will always remember this game because not only did we like 
you know, stream it and everything like that, the whole entire thing, the whole entire playthrough. But like, there was just so much banter between the two of us and there's so much laughter and just so much joy that we got out of playing this game. This game just constantly wants to one-up himself with, with mechanics and stuff like that, where it's like, next thing you know, like they have me playing a Street Fighter and all that stuff and like all these ridiculous like moments <laughs> where like you're like tearing apart a stuffed elephant and like like throwing it off a cliff to die. And these, these there's a lot of like moments that are just laugh out loud and mechanics that are just like, like yeah, uh, very creative and stuff like that, and and it's very much like a tour de force. Um. Um. So with with this, like, it takes two is like one of those like kind of like touchstones for me in like in my heart of hearts. So yeah, I'm gonna give it that one. All right. Oh right, I was gonna get two awards. Okay, you're right. Oops, <laughs> my bad. All right. Uh. So my second uh, category here is let's see. Ooh, which one I want to do first. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do this one. All right. This is the best Smash Mod slash fan game award. <laughs> the most Lewis category ever. <laughs> the most Lewis category. Okay, so here's, here's the criteria. Um, they all have to have been updated in 2021. So either they get released in 2021 or got a significant update. Uh, I have... Oh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven nominees. So, uh, because I have seven nominees, I'm going to sort of run through them but not and try to stick to some bullet points and not linger on any one category. Uh, I also haven't decided on winner yet, so Dan, you can chime in if you want. <laughs> All right. No, no. Smash Remix is a Nintendo 64 mod of Smash Bros where you can play as uh, newcomers like, like Marth and Mewtwo and other, other characters and like... They added, like, Conker is a, he's exclusive to this game because Conker hasn't been in any Smash game. Uh, there's um, nothing new to the table as far as mechanics, so they didn't add any extra, like, air dodging or side specials. They just made a Nintendo 64 game better. So there's that. Uh, the Akania build is a melee mod where they added uh, Wolf, Diddy Kong, and Charizard. They added a volleyball, and now uh, during Christmas break, they added a Smash Tag where you can play Hot Potato. Uh, with each other by hitting each other until one somebody dies um there's the uncle punch training pack which is a mod pack where you can like learn the 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 mechanics of, of melee like me, the mechanics the game doesn't teach you things like l canceling uh, because of the uncle punch training pack i finally learned how to l cancel not consistently but i can finally in, in, implement it into my game um there's beyond melee which is another melee mod where <laughs> they added characters such as uh, skull kid and raichu and dark mewtwo and they they rebalance the game with making low tiers like viable and competitive matches so basically a melee game that's beyond melee <laughs> uh there's the project mex remix which is adds like characters like sub-zero and toad and waluigi and all these other characters to to brawl and they basically made brawl but with melee mechanics with a shit ton of characters um there's project plus which is the uh, uh basically pm successor which is may uh brawl with melee mods with tournament shit so there's that and the final nominee is Super Smash Flash 2, which is the only fan game in this thing. Uh, but I got to nominate it because there were some significant patches. Uh, Dan and I played both Smash Remix and Smash Flash 2 when he came to visit. Uh, but basically, it had it had like Goku and Ichigo exclusive to that. Um, it's got it had Sora exclusive before they brought Sora to Smash Ultimate. So yeah, it's a cool like uh, Flash game. And uh, all of these, uh, except for Beyond Melee, actually, actually I don't have that one yet. But I played them. I enjoyed them and I had a good time with them throughout the throughout the year last year. And if and if 
um, what is it called? If Battle Bus never ended, I would have talked more about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, my vote would be for uh, Smash Flash um, because between the two that I played, that was my favorite. But you played all of them, so take it away. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to go ahead and just... I'm going to go with my recency bias on this, on this one. I, I've had my friends over, uh, and we played the Akinea build, and they really loved volleyball. Like, <laughs> they are not melee people. They, they play Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate. They don't like melee because of the gravity and how heavy the characters are. But this is the first time where, like, we could get behind melee and, like, look forward to playing it. Uh, my, my, set, my 10-year-old and 7-year-old nephews beat my friends in volleyball. Uh, which is insane because this was like their third time ever touching a GameCube controller. Like I basically, they had a head start obviously since they played it last week. But that being said, with just the like hour or two of getting to play me- uh, melee volleyball, they were able to just keep up with like grown ass adults uh, playing melee. So uh, I, I'm going to give it to the Akinia build because not only is volleyball fun, but Smash Tag. I never would have imagined, <laughs> fathom the idea of playing Smash Tag uh it's like somebody's it and in order to not be it you got to hit somebody else and make them it right and so you're everyone's just hitting each other running away from each other uh it's very fun it's very casual and it's like all of a sudden you just die somebody explodes whenever like the hot potato is you know it's time to go you know so yeah i'm gonna give a shout out to that one that's the winner of the the best smash mod of the year shout out to the movie tag by the way, <laughs> um, nice. which is actually good in my opinion. Um, mm. All right. The next award I'm going to give is to the best spooky game of the year. And that's an Resident easy Evil one. <laughs> As you could tell resident evil village. Um, I did not play resident evil seven. I only played the demo for that. Uh, but regardless, you know, this game came out. It looked cool. Everybody was talking about it. I figured, you know what? Fuck it. I want to give it a shot. I haven't really played a Resident Evil game in a really long time, and turned out I really loved it. Uh, this was uh, it had a very compelling setting, a compelling set of characters and villains. Uh, I liked how they kind of organized the game and broken it down where you're in this village and there's different areas of the village and you kind of explore like one at a time and then fight a boss at the end. And um, it, I don't think this game uh, is revolutionary. I don't think it's at uh, you know, reinventing the wheel for horror games. Um, but I just thought it was really good. It was just like a very good, solid uh, Resident Evil game. It was it was the right mix between action and horror. Uh, it was not overwhelmingly scary, but I appreciated that because I can only take so much of that. So it was the right amount where I would get enough jump scares that I could kind of deal with and power through and then you know get myself all powered up and then go through uh you know be able to get through the sections that that i was uh going through at any given point uh there's a few particular points of the game that are more scary than than others and and it definitely got me in a in a few times uh which you want from these kinds of games but overall just a very cool balanced game um and obviously you know he had the meme of Lady D yeah. and all of that. That's I was about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you know I don't I don't care I don't care too much about that. Um, but regardless, you know, fun fun stuff. You know, good good for that good for that lady by the way who who voiced the character <laughs> because I think that was her first major role. Um, in something like won. this, yeah, and she won the best she performance. <laughs> She she beat out uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yes. I'm like, damn. I was like, surprised. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
I think the meanness is what got it got her the win. Like, I, know, like her role was small. Like, I mean, okay, wait. I, I wouldn't say her role was small. Um, it, it is not. Uh, it is not a character that is in the entirety of the game, right? But I she's don't. She's like the first boss, right? But, and then she dips. But I don't. I, I kind of don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like for those first good, like I don't know, like five hours or so of the game, she's in it like a lot, you know. So. I don't yeah. necessarily hold it against her, especially because when you see like, you know what it makes me think of when you watch the Oscars and you see who wins like the supporting actor category or whatever, like a lot of times the winner is not necessarily the person that was in the movies the most, right? But it's like yeah. the person who was able to be impactful with their performance. And I do not want to take it away from the fact that she did have a great impactful performance. However, you are right that she would probably have not been remembered as strongly or won as many awards if it wasn't for the meme factor of the of the character <laughs> honestly i just wish that they made four categories for the acting i want like best lead role best, best lead male best lead female mm -hmm. best supporting male best supporting female like that's what i want for the game awards but they just combined it all into one so whatever maybe one day that being said, my next award is obviously the fan favorite award. It is the Brought to You by Level 1 Gaming Award makes its return. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously these are the, uh, the, the games that I played for Level 1 Gaming as a reviewer. I, uh, I uh, got to review some pretty good stuff and some pretty low stuff, you know, in one year. Uh, but that being said, I'm not going to give it to, the, to Deathloop. Uh, I don't want to give it to Deathloop, not because it's it's objectively the best game out of the nominees. So I want to give it to the one I want to spotlight. Cool. So, um, so the nominees are Bright Memory Infinite, Deathloop, uh, Tuhu Hionaba, Antinomy of Common Flowers, uh, Aldeas Beyond Kronos, Dungeon Defenders Awakened, and Werewolf the Apocalypse. What do you think of one? The first one. <laughs> beyond a bright memory <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so uh werewolf the apocalypse and uh antinomy of, Ca of common flowers both got fives so they're out dungeon defenders awakened and bright memory infinite got sixes so they're out so that leaves death loop and aldeus uh beyond chronos they both got nines from me nice so yeah aldeus beyond chronos is going to be the winner of the brought to you by level one gaming award um it is a psvr game and it's an anime game and i i want to give that one the award because it felt like for me like vr's come to jesus moment sort of speaking like i played vr before but like i got to play and be in an anime uh there was this really cool like anime sequence that happened that just really got to me uh the story is really good the game is made for vr because it's like you can beat the game in uh, one sitting. It's like two hours long, and you can play uh, multiple times to like get the canonical ending because you get to make different choices and stuff. Uh, I want to read this little quick excerpt from like my my review here. It says, uh, "What is a visual novel without a story?" This is easily the strongest category for the game. I would like to start off by saying that this uh, game is anime as fuck, <laughs> and I'm living for that. The game has all the tropes of a good anime, including anime waifus, a kick-ass anime theme, and most importantly, juicy anime betrayals. So <laughs> Now the question is, does it have good anime titties? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately oh, they do not. Disappointing. <laughs> uh, but it was it really it really is like it, it sucks you in with its uh its story. Like you're you're really it's really riveting. Mm -hmm. And so 
it is a very good VR game. And like, I think it's going to go underrated. So I'm giving it the nod here. So that way I can just sort of spotlight it. All right. Awesome. I remember you talking about it, but I didn't remember how much you had liked it uh, versus some of these other ones. Um, some of these games also have names that are weird that are hard to remember, by the way. <laughs> um, all right. I have, I just have one award uh, left to give. So really. do I. Um, and my award is for a game that we already talked about. Um, this is the best multiplayer game, but it's also probably the best game overall for me. And that's It Takes Two. Uh, I was debating on chiming in when you talked about it earlier, but I decided to just kind of leave my commentary for the end. I, I mean, we, we've talked enough about this game in the podcast. We did a whole, this one for sure, we did a whole spoiler cast on it. Uh, we played it together and this, this game is just, it is just so good. And I know where Joseph Harris stands here. And I know that this game is already getting its flowers everywhere else as well. So we're not necessarily being unique this time. Uh, but I think this guy just has a very interesting vision for making games. And when you play his games, you can tell that it's not just trying to go after whatever the new industry trend is. It's not trying to copy a format that has worked for some other game. Um, he's really just going out there and saying, I want to do this and not giving a fuck about anybody who says <laughs> otherwise. I, I, I should probably also just mention that, you know, this is a EA published game and, and you know, I we, we do <laughs> both uh, compliment it a lot here. You know, Lewis has no association with EA, but I do. But um, I'm really speaking here on behalf of myself and not representing the company or anything. I would be singing this game praises uh, even if it was not associated with the EA at all, uh, like I have for other, you know, Joseph Ferris games in the past and even before I worked for EA. Um, and there's just, like, this guy's ability to just kind of create these co-op experiences that really get the best out of you as opposed to the worst. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know how sometimes co-op experiences can get you know overly frustrating and you're just kind of yelling at each other and annoyed and, escal you know, tension escalates versus... I feel like this, this game really pushes people to work together, you know? And to help each other and to uh, become closer. It's like it's like such a good team, team building game, but it's also just such a creative game. Like the further you get into it, the more mechanics you get introduced, uh, the more you see how much the game truly has to offer. And it's just constantly blowing your mind over and over again. Um, the only downside, in my opinion, is the story and the and some of the performances. Um, I feel like that is the only part of the game that was not quite as Pixar level of quality as, as we expected. Mm. Uh, yeah. But everything else, you know, like the gameplay, the experience, the levels, the set, you know, everything about it is just so fun. So great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Not, not enough said. Uh, my final category is the Lewis seal of approval, which is basically my top honor. Um, death loop. Yeah. So I, yeah, death loop, obviously. 100% death loop. Yeah, my nominees were Halo Infinite, Pokemon Brilliant, Diamond, Shining Pearl, Nick All-Stars, 12 Minutes, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread. So yeah, I just sort of wanted to give like like nominees, like making it, make it. So I was like, what did I play this year? And then obviously death loop is by far like the best game uh, that I played this year. I mean, obviously I gave it a nine. Um, but also like, I, I don't know, like I haven't played, I don't play first person shooter games a lot. 
and like, and that's not to say I'm, not, I'm like, and that's not to say I'm against them, but I just like that's not my go-to, you know. Yeah. The third-person adventure games like The Last of Us Uncharted are like my thing, right? So like, I've never played Dishonored, but I wonder like if the game would have made as big an impact if I was if I played Dishonored. You know what I mean? Like, because mm. my understanding is that Deathloop is basically an evolution, an iteration of of what Dishonored did before, and other you know games of that sorts. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, like. I gave it its praises, you know. It was like mind blowing for me, and uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to like undermine it. This is my top honor, but like I just wonder. Uh, but that being said, I have a lot of good things to say about the mechanics, about like the the time loop, the story, the 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 actors that that they had a good banter, they had a good chemistry. There's a back and forth between like the antagonist, you know, and the protagonist. They're they're constantly like chattering to each other, not like the way like. Uh, not like Guardians of the Galaxy, but like there's a lot of scenes where they're like just saying "fuck you" and all that kind of stuff. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cool things in and stuff. And it doesn't feel very gimmicky. It's just kind of like balls to the wall with with action as far as like how much you can do with abilities and uh, you're trying to kill people that are like you know to, to end a time loop. And there's there's like these cool boss fights happening. So yeah, I I know I'm sort of all over the place. I don't really have like a lot. I don't have anything planned to say, but if you guys check out my reviews on Level One Gaming on the YouTube or on the website, it's very like laid out. Um, but yeah, that I don't really know what else to say other than uh, Deathloop impressed me. So yeah. I totally get what you're saying, by the way, when it comes to uh, you know you don't know how you'd feel about it if you'd played the previous titles because sometimes you jump into a franchise, and I know this is not a franchise, but sometimes you jump into a franchise on the third, fourth, fifth, tenth entry or whatever, and you like it. Uh, but maybe the things that you like are things that have been staples of the franchise from the beginning, right? And so yeah. you can almost like sound dumb when talking about it. I'm not saying you, but in certain situations, people can sound dumb when talking about it because they might be praising something that's been there from the beginning they just don't know. Um, and for the fans that have followed along, they're less impressed by it. Um, for example, you know, I, I've been playing Mario Party, but I didn't imagine me going here. Oh, it's so cool that this game has like these <laughs> board game mechanic and, you know, this mini games and stuff. It's, yeah, that's like all of them. <laughs> Dumbass. But um, regardless, you know, I, I think your praises are justified. I, I think that, uh, you know, this is in my list. As I just don't know if I if I'll end up playing it on PC or I'll wait till I get a PS5 or whatever. Um I'm pretty sure it's a one-year exclusive, so in September it'll probably be on Game Pass once that's uh, true. Microsoft gets to that, gets to publish it on their system. So that's true. Yeah. But you know, even the the fans of the studio and stuff have have saying it's praises. So I definitely think uh, it deserves a shout out there. And I go, I'm glad that one of us uh, played this game. And it's kind of interesting, Louis. If you look at like the Game Awards uh, and the IGN and stuff nominees, between the two of us, we played the majority of the games that. That got yes. attention this year, which is not. I think we did better job of ca- of playing the game of the year nominees this uh, for this cycle than last year's. Like we did a worse job last year. Yeah, which so. I, I feel like the funny thing about it is that it's almost kind of accidental because like <laughs> it's more like like you played Deathloop because you got the review code, you know, on the task, and <laughs> and we were gonna play It Takes Two anyway because Joseph Harris, and then it just happened and- that. It's the game of the year. We didn't even think it was going to be a game of the year yeah. winner, let alone contender. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Um, now, Lewis, uh, and, and, you know, this this will be one of our longest episodes when all is said and done, by the way. It's so funny. Um, you did mention to me that you wanted to give a proper um, game of the year award from ready, ready press, press play, play you know collected we couldn't do this last year because we were gonna end up getting into a fist fight or something <laughs> over yeah. the last like we couldn't agree we all we last year we played 
uh, different games. Like we didn't have a lot of overlap, mm-hmm. and this year we do. We have enough of it. But last year I would not give Last of Us Two the the the, the win. Like I yeah. would not do it. I so get it. I was like I was against it. Now, so here's the funny thing. That this is gonna be. I think this is gonna be a very short discussion. You're gonna see why in a minute. <laughs> okay. The the three new 2021 games that we both played Play. a significant mm-hmm. amount were 12 minutes. It takes two and Metroid Dread. Now, 12 minutes is out of the running because it's not of the same caliber as the other two games. And while I don't see it as a disappointment in the way you did, that already kind of gives it away as we're not going to award that. So we're left with Metroid Dread and It Takes Two. And I think this is an easy decision for me based on what I've talked about before. But how would you choose? Honestly, it takes two. Yeah. Like it, it's it was obviously the game that we both got to enjoy together and all that stuff. But like I didn't I kind of wanted to make sure that Metroid Dread had a fair fight in this. You know what I mean? Like like it feels like the fanboy in me would want to do to give Metroid Dread the win, but yeah, I don't know. Something about it takes two. I mean the fact that we we get to play it together. Um, you know, I think with Metroid Dread, it's so like solitary. And I don't say that in a bad way. That's kind of like the mood it's going for. Yeah. But something about it is so dark and atmospheric. And something about It Takes Two is so cheery and fun. I I feel like It Takes Two also gets an extra point just on being this new original, like completely original idea, right? Uh, As opposed to Metroid Dread being an evolution of, you know, this franchise that has done so many things. And it's just like, it's iterating on a proven formula. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not necessarily easy either. And they are able to capture the soul of Metroid while bringing in new interesting mechanics and whatnot. Uh, And I think that had we finished Metroid Dread, maybe um, I would feel a little bit more comfortable uh, pushing for it more strongly uh, in any of these categories or even in this one at the end. But because It Takes Two is the game that we were both anticipating it, uh, that we both played together, that we both did a spoiler cast on, and I think that uh, represents what we want to do with this podcast so strongly. Um, as much as it surprisingly is kind of basic <laughs> to make this uh, <laughs> to make this our game of the year, I think it's the only right answer. And it, I would never have believed, you know, like, if, if you asked... Uh, like if I went back in time and I I told myself like hey on ready press play you guys are gonna pick it takes two as your game of the year I would have been like yeah makes sense <laughs> that makes sense but the rest of the world yeah. also will that's the part that's weird <laughs> oh yeah that yeah that's the one that's the surprising one yeah yeah for sure um all right you know what we've been giving like uh the uh, Joseph Ferris games like a way out and uh, a tale of two sons and you know we've been giving those uh those games like the ready press play like seal of approval so we might as well just make it official again with with this one so yeah absolutely that's it then this is our game of the year uh discussion ending it with it takes two us being our game of the year uh we're currently like one hour and 45 into this podcast so we got a whole <laughs> rest of the podcast to go through uh so it's time for the sprint lewis we're still gonna hit unless you have somewhere to go we're still gonna hit all of the rest of the segments uh and hopefully we'll be out of here by the two hour mark but we'll see uh let's hit up our extra news all the other stuff that happened this week other than the nintendo direct number one a sony exec has talked about the company's interest in helping bungie bring their franchises to movies and other media 
Number two, Sony has revealed that a third of its $3 billion acquisition of Bungie will be spent on employee retention. Number three, Platinum Games' new CEO has shared plans to create larger and riskier games, possibly live service games, and Platinum has also expressed interest in revisiting its canceled Xbox exclusive, scale-bound, and opening discussions with Phil Spencer. That'll be the day. Number four, Rockstar Games has confirmed last Friday that it's currently working on the next game in the GTA series, and GTA's <gasps> no. remaster trilogy has shipped 10 million copies considered to have exceeded expectations by the publisher. Number five, new figures released by Activision Blizzard show another decline in its monthly active users numbers. In contrast, Square Enix has seen its numbers rise. Number six, Google has reportedly deprioritized Stadia and now has shifted its focus to selling the services underlying technology to third parties. <laughs> the beginning of the end. Number seven, Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund has invested in Capcom and South Korean online games publisher Nexon to the tune of over $1 billion. Number eight, a report indicates that a smaller standalone Assassin's Creed game focused on stealth gameplay will launch later this year or in early 2023. Number nine, Hideo Kojima has launched his own podcast exclusive to Japan. Number 10, Uncharted movie director revealed that he's now working on a Jack and Dexter adaptation. Number 11, Microsoft gaming boss Phil Spencer has said that he's aiming to make Starfield Bethesda's most played game to date. Number 12, the president of Microsoft has declared that the company wants to bring the Call of Duty series to Nintendo Switch. And finally, I checked this out. There's a new official full trailer out for The Wolf Among Us 2, and I am very excited for it. There's finally a roundup. Anime fighting game Jump Force has unfortunately been delisted from digital storefronts. Lewis? Those bastards. GTA 5 is coming to PS5 and Xbox Series on March 15th, and Blizzard will bring its Warcraft series to mobile devices later this year. Anything you want to have some quick mentions here about, Lewis? Uh, two extra items to the extra news. Nintendo says it's perverse to invest its, in its own employees than purchase large companies. And Nintendo announced Pokemon Legends Arceus has sold 6.5 million copies in its launch That's week. right. We, we'd forgotten to cover that. It was supposed to be early in the podcast. Good save there, Lewis. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but that being said, I am uh, very not, I'm very not surprised about the deprioritized Stadia thing. Like, they're going to... They're going to pour out their fucking technology instead, being trying to salvage as much money as they can out of it because they lost so much money. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, also about the Assassin's Creed thing, my, I heard the rumor that they were uh, planning on making like Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC, but then it became, it became big enough to like make it standalone is how I heard it. Interesting. heard the, the news. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really have, none of these things are uh, speaking to me at all. So I, I think it's interesting to, uh, to see like, um, that Sony is going to invest and go even further with this transmedia strategy, you know, with them wanting to, uh, talking about how they want to turn Bungie's, uh, franchises like League of Destiny and that world into transmedia products. And not only we're getting a Last of Us TV show and an Uncharted movie, and I think a Twisted Metal show or, or movie or something. Now they're also talking about Jack and Daxter, apparently. So lots of Naughty Dog properties being hoarded out here. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think we're going to see a, I think we're going to see a lot. It seems like Sony, they're, they're going, they're going deep with this. They're going deep with this strategy. And I, I, I think that uh, we're going to get to a situation where, you know, in five to 10 years, we may be looking at a, at an MCU type endeavor 
with the Sony game franchises. That not, I don't mean that they'll all be connected in the same universe. I just mean that it will be a huge thing where we got all these different projects going on at the same time and they're coming out, you know, multiple a year are coming out and et cetera. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Like, I think they even like officially made it like, I don't know if they called it like PlayStation Studios, but like they basically made a movie division, which is kind of stupid because... I mean, not stupid. I mean, I think it's more like they already have a. They are, Sony already has Sony Pictures. <laughs> I know, right? So it's like, you know, why do you need them? But whatever. I'm guessing it's like more of like a production company than it is like a, a distribution company. So yeah, definitely. Louis, you can uh, take over the podcast. Take us home. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For new releases this week, uh, there's not a whole lot going on, but uh, let's go ahead and talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just saw it. <laughs> All right. For for uh, the free game of the week this week is going to be Windbound. It's uh, uh, this the, the blurb reads, the, for, the forbidden islands are calling, unlock their secrets, uh, shipwrecked on an island, explore, adapt, and navigate the land and perilous seas to stay alive. Which, by the way, that's this... the free game on the Epic Game Store. You forgot to mention that, but it's out. Ah, yes, yes. Yes, that's the free game of the week of the Epic Game Store. Yeah, I think I'm, I sort of said that in my head. But anyways, yeah, the thing that, that made me say, oh my God, was when I opened the link and I saw the the free game of the week next week. That's the one that like, like whoa, speak of the devil. <laughs> Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons is uh, the free game of the week next week, allegedly. So, mm-hmm. Nice. Um, finally, there is a, uh, critics choice sale happening on the PlayStation store. Uh, literally it takes two is 50% off for 20 bucks. Uh, Kenna bridge of spirits is 30% off for $28. Uh, back for blood is 36 bucks. Resident evil village, $42 tales of Arise, $42. That's like a big game in the franchise. Uh, so yeah, um, final fantasy seven remake is down to 24 bucks. So do you want to give a shout out to anything else? You hit on the ones that I wanted to hit on. So that's good. All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, as far as the new releases go, we have Lost Ark for PC coming out on February 11th. Embark on an odyssey for the Lost Ark in a vast, vibrant world. Explore new lands, seek out lost treasures, and test yourself in thrilling action com- uh, thrilling action combat in this action-packed, free-to-play RPG. There's a lot of interest in this game amongst the PC gamer space, so wanted to give it a shout. Okay, I mean, it's a free-to-play RPG, so nice. Uh, Dynasty Warriors uh, 9 Empires comes out on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and PC on February 15th. Uh, Assassin's Creed, the Ezio Collection, comes out on the Switch on February 17th. Experience the award-winning series as you become Ezio Auditore. Uh, Da Firenze? (laughs) Let's go with that one. I don't know how to say his name. Um, you can say it if you want. No, that's good. Let's go. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to make fun of you. I'm uh, not going to do it. <laughs> I thought you would have known. I thought you knew how to say it. Okay. Ezio Auditore da Firenze. There we go. That's there my you go. best. There goes your Portuguese. Italian. No, Italian. <laughs> yeah, but your Portuguese-y like, yeah, it, can it, like... Yeah, they're, they're both Latin languages. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, the most celebrated and iconic um, master assassin in the franchise includes the acclaimed single-player campaigns and all solo DLC from three games, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations, as well as two short films, Live the Complete Saga of a Master Assassin. They showed this in the Nintendo Direct, 
and I have to say, I didn't really like how it looked. It's just one of those things where you see these games on the Switch sometimes, and it's like, hmm, that looks a little sus. Why do they look like? Why do they look worse than the 360 version? I know, right? But oh well. <laughs> Uh, the next up is the King of Fighters 15, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, and PC. No Xbox One? What the hell? It also comes out on February 17th. I added a blurb for this one because fuck you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> since its debut in 1994, the King of Fighters fighting game series has been driving the world to new heights of excitement with its appealing characters and unique game systems. Six years have passed since the last title in the series, and now King of Fighters 15 surpasses all of its predecessors, predecessors in terms of graphics, systems, and online experience. And closing it out, February 17th, Total War Hammer 3 comes out on PC. Yeah, pick of the week. Huh. I, a skip of the week. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a, you know, I, these are mostly, it's like either a re-release or niche games. So I personally don't have one. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right, the Ready Press Play list of best games of all time. So, Dan, I actually have a... I want you to chime in on this one. Okay. All right? I have two games here on the table, and Mm. we haven't... We've never discussed the rules about, you know, do we do one per franchise? Do we, you know, allow for both of these things to exist in the same list? You know, we've never made those rules. That's true. So... That being said, since we don't know the rules, I want to prioritize the the better game or the game that's more deserving first to come to the list. So that being said, the choices are Ocarina of Time or Breath of the Wild. Mm. Okay, okay. So I do not necessarily think that we need to have one game per franchise and to follow that rule. Other lists follow that rule. And it's interesting. I think it's good because you can spotlight more franchises. But um, what I would say is that we can bring in multiple games in the same franchise but let's try to space them out right like let's try like so whichever one of those gets entered in here let's hold off on the other for a long for a while while. yeah so that we don't just kind of blow through you know it's a new mario game every week or whatever right um now there's uh there's some interesting ways to look at this do we prioritize um the most legacy like the legacy yeah. of the game the most impactful game and the history of game you know of, of what everything that happened after it or whatever or do we prioritize playability now because mm. i think ocarina of time is still playable to this day especially the 3ds version 3ds uh, mm-hmm. but you cannot make an argument that it is more accessible than breath of the wild when breath of the wild in its best form is available on the switch and if you want to play ocarina of time on the switch you're going to be playing the old n64 <laughs> version on the n64 <laughs> emulator right yeah um, so i think it's a matter of like modern and accessible modernity and accessibility versus legacy right yeah um, i don't know how to choose between the two of them to tell you the truth because when i was coming up with the list i was like well, I want to cover one of them, but I don't know how to choose between the two because they're both tens, right? Uh, they both uh, are like, <clears throat> they're both like set the course for Zelda. Like, I don't know if you know this, but like in interviews that like um, that was said uh, by Nintendo, uh, like the uh, like Aonuma, uh, he said in an interview that um, Ocarina of Time like cast a big shadow for them when making like games like wind waker and twilight princess and skyward sword Mm -hmm. they were always trying to chase ocarina of time they were always trying to chase that 
and they were always living in that shadow and it really like messed them up kind of sort sort of so to speak um where like breath of the wild is when they broke free of that chains yeah of those like restrictions that's an interesting and they rewrote way the script that's an interesting way to look at it um so i'll tell you my opinion but i want you to go with your heart okay uh so i don't want okay. you to necessarily follow my opinion right because it's your turn to okay. add to the list um I, if it was, if it was me, I would put in Ocarina of Time, uh, because I think that Ocarina of Time, for the time it came out, is a better game than Breath of the Wild in the time it came out. And I understand that everybody loves Breath of the Wild, and that I am kind of the, the outlier on this, where I Mm. like the game, I respect the game, but it's not the... It's not what I want from Zelda, honestly. Like, I want my dungeons. I want my kind of, like, more, slightly more directed storyline. And I got that from Ocarina of Time. Like, it's almost like there's, like, two different types of Zelda games now. And my favorite type of Zelda game is still the Ocarina of Time format. So that's why Mm. I would not only put Ocarina of Time in the list, I would put it as number one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> I was actually going to go with Ocarina of Time, actually. I wanted you to, like, <laughs> you know, maybe sway me on the other one. Interesting. Uh, the reason why I wanted uh, to pick Ocarina over is because it's, it's like, it is the definition of Zelda. Like, yeah. it is so, like, it is the, like, here's the thing. If Breath of the Wild had a soundtrack that rivaled Ocarina of Time and had dungeons that rivaled Ocarina of Time, it would be no contest. Yeah. But, like, those two key ingredients are missing. Um, and as much as I loved, and I put 200 hours into Breath of the Wild, don't get me wrong, like, as much as I love the game, like, like Ocarina of Time just is, like, quintessentially Zelda. And it's, like, at its core. It's, like, it's like so concentrated Zelda, you can mine it, you know? Yeah. So, Like, h- yeah. here's the thing. If you met somebody now that's never played a Zelda game, and you want to show them what Zelda is, I think both of those games will probably come to mind, but I feel like Ocarina of Time is a better representation of what Zelda is versus yes. Breath of the Wild is like this new take on it, right? It's like, oh, it's like uh that's the the new album where the band did something different and it's really cool, <laughs> experimental. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the it, in my mind, you know, the core the, the kind of the the greatest hits album kind of is Ocarina of Time. So, um anyway, so yeah. cool. I think Let's go with that I think one. we're on the same page here then. Uh and the other thing too is that Breath of the Wild 2 will come out, you know, hopefully this year. And maybe that, if it corrects that? Yeah, yeah, maybe that will be the best of both worlds. And then we're going to want to put that in the list, right? So, yes. Um, so you want to put Ocarina of Time at number one above Street Fighter 2? I would, personally. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't feel strongly either way. But yeah, let's go with that. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, this is going to be the final segment of the show where we talk about um, the things that we recommend before we sign out. So I'm going to go real first real quick and just say that I'm recommending you guys watch Peacemaker on HBO Max. It is basically a quasi-sequel to The Suicide Squad that came out last year. Uh, James Gunn even wrote and directed a couple of episodes. So it is John Cena playing his Peacemaker character, and it's way more, like, ballsy in the sense that, like, you know, it's a TV show made for streaming, whereas The Suicide Squad was a movie, and, like, you know, I feel like there's more, like, what do you call it? Less restrictions yeah. on, like, you, you can know, the go, and, like, the, You can go more M-rated with the shows, for yeah. sure. Like, yes. Especially nowadays. 
And it's actually, and not only is it more M-rated, it's actually a quite an interesting, it's like, it's a comedy. It's like an action comedy, so it's kind of funny. Um, and it's actually got a nice little intriguing, like, little uh, plot and, and to boot. So, yeah, it's good. It's good all around. Awesome. My recommendation is a show that, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is an old reality show. It's been around for a while. I think they might still have seasons to this day, and it's called Ink Master. And what it is, it's it's a competition tattoo show where tattoo tattoo artists come together to compete for who makes the best tattoos they got different challenges every week they get one person gets eliminated at a time every week uh and then there's a winner at the end who makes a hundred thousand dollars and gets a bunch of stuff or whatever uh and it's just really cool and surprisingly like it's don't get me wrong it's like it's a guilty pleasure kind of thing, right? It's like it's like the kind of like reality game show garbage that that I like from time to time. And we found this on Netflix because they have two random seasons from like years ago on Netflix for the show. Uh, and we watched through one of them, and then we watched through the next one. And there's just all this intrigue between like these tattoo artists, like they're all like you know fighting with each other as they're going through the show and you can tell so much of it is clearly manufactured for entertainment <laughs> but i'm here for it um and it's also fun because like you get to see all this amazing art that they get to put in these tattoos and um you know it's actual people that they're tattooing on so it's kind of crazy too like to be somebody in a competition where you're going in there and you're gonna have some person give you a free tattoo and it might be great and it might not be great um, it may not be exactly what you want because they're trying to stand out in the competition and do something cool, you know, or whatever. And I don't know, it's just very interesting. And then the judges will break apart these tattoos as well. And you're, you you look at it and it's great. And then the judges are like, oh, the lines are all wrong. And, you know, the collar's messed up and all this stuff. And uh, damn, I don't know. It's just very, uh, I was surprised by how much, how enamored I actually got with it. Uh, uh, how much I got into it. And uh, we actually watched through like two full seasons and um it's is it on streaming yeah it's on netflix uh but unfortunately they just have oh. these two they're like they're like their seasons from like 2012 and 2013 or something <laughs> it's like um damn but they, the show still exists so I'm, i want to try to figure out how to watch newer seasons of it but i don't know where that's available uh, yet it might just be on um, it looks like it could be on paramount plus mm. from the looks of it because I, i'm seeing a lot of promotional material here that says paramount network on it so yeah yeah so entertaining show you should check it out uh, so our recommendations for today were Ink Master, you can see it on Netflix or Paramount Plus, and Peacemaker on HBO Max. It is now time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a nice review, and tell your friends about the show. You can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDanAndLewis. At Chocolaka88. That's right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace. <laughs>